Relating to Self. A podcast that helps you create a better relationship with yourself. Hey, I'm Joachim. Welcome. Do you realize that there is only one relationship that you will always be in? The relationship with yourself. Improving that relationship changes everything. On this podcast, I share my thoughts and I invite real people to have vulnerable conversations about how they relate to themselves and what we can learn from that. In today's episode, I speak with Georgie, who takes responsibility for becoming and who does the best she can. Enjoy. Georgie, so nice of you to join us. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I always start with a little story about how I know the people on the podcast, if I know them, and I feel I do know you somewhat. So for the backstory, uh, we met through Sandbox, and that is something that has come back quite a few times in these podcasts. And I don't exactly remember the first conversation that we were both part of. I think it was one of the many different online conversations that Sandbox hosts. And I do remember that after the conversation, you reached out to me and then we had a long and extensive conversation through voice notes. Hmm. And I really enjoyed that. And then a while later, I don't exactly remember how much time there was in between, but we finally also met in person which feels almost like something really exceptional these days when you say that. Um, I remember us meeting in person in the south of Spain, in this wonderful place called Wakana, where we organized a global summit for Sandbox. And I specifically have good memories about you asking me to join you when you jumped in the lake. <laughs> and I was like, yes, let's do that. I'm not usually very very fond of like water, cold water bodies in general. And so I was very happy for you to kind of like motivate me to do that with you. And that was very nice. And after that, we, we kept in touch and we have, well, seen each other in many different contexts, many different ways. And one of the ways that I appreciate tremendously is this weekly call that we have uh, with two other sandboxers, one of which Joshua has been on the podcast before. And... Yeah, I think that's just a, such a beautiful thing that we have created during this strange time of pandemics and quarantines. So that is how I know you. Mm. That's a great um, summary. And uh, just to add to that, uh, the way we first got con first were connected is you were asking a question about um, about depression in um, in a WhatsApp group. And I sent you a, um, a message to say that I'd be happy to chat more about it, given my own experiences. And then, yeah, and then the voice notes began. <laughs> mm, yes, I remember that now. Indeed. I had a good friend who was going through a really tough time and I was looking for some ideas on, on how to help her. Uh, yeah. And now that I think of that, you were not the only person that I met through that question. Uh, oh. Maya also, another sandboxer who will be on the podcast hopefully soon. Uh, 
is also someone who I got to know through that question. And then we, we stayed in touch. Beautiful. Amazing. Well, Georgie, we are here today to talk about relating to self. This idea of, you know, how we show up to ourselves, how we treat ourselves, how we can see the way we navigate life as a relationship that we nurture with ourselves. And so my first question on the podcast is always the same. And it's when you hear this term relating to self, what does that mean for you? Mm. It, for me, it's about the relationship you have um, with, with yourself, with uh, all parts of yourself, I think is the, the important thing to emphasize there. Um, we often think about our relationship to others and to the world and forget that perhaps the most important relationship is, is with ourselves. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, often, especially when we are the person that stands in the way <laughs> of us getting or doing whatever we want to do or be in the world. Um, personally, I have realized over the years that this is perhaps the most important relationship that I can have. And I don't mean that in an egotistic way. Everyone around me is incredibly important, but the way I interact with everybody else is actually reflective of how I interact with myself. So the patterns that show up in, in myself will also show up with how I interact with others, whether that's kindness or judgment or forgiveness or whatever it is. Turns out that voice in your head is actually pretty important and how nice you are to it. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds incredibly close in perspective from, from my own experience of, of what that means. I'm really curious about what you said, like, you know, the person that stands in your own way somehow. Mm. And I'm curious if you could take us through how you have stood in your own way in the past and maybe how you have then overcome that. Mm. The reason I'm pausing is, be is because there are perhaps so many instances where I stand in my own way, where I have stood in my own way. Um, and I think the, the foundational element behind it is the beliefs I have about myself and my abilities um, are what then define which actions I do or do not take. And therefore, if I have a big ambition and I don't take it because I don't think that I'm, say, good enough for it or best, the best or able even to achieve it, then I don't even start. And therefore, it's impossible for me to achieve that thing. So one thing I've, I've, I recognize a lot is I try and make have a practice of pulling out all my beliefs and my assumptions about something and try and understand, okay, what is, what is here? Is this supporting me or not to achieve whatever it is I want to achieve? Um, perhaps even the question like, how is this helping me? Is this helping me? Is this actually making it worse? Um, really questioning all the different fears, perhaps. Um, I just generally say beliefs and assumptions. 
because they're the things that will most support me or most pull me back. Hmm. And then when it comes to moving through these things, because I see you as someone who acts and moves a lot. You do a lot of things, you create a lot of things, you have an impact in the world. That's what I see happening. So when you speak now about the way in which you've held yourself back from acting because, you know, of the belief that perhaps you're not good enough, it feels to me as if you're also surmounting that, as if you've been able to move through that. Do you have a specific practice there that helps you to move through those beliefs? Yeah, so I suppose actually I can bring an example in here. I'm quite familiar with the feeling of discomfort and of fear. I, I know viscerally what it feels like in my body. And, uh, and I have a sense of the, the thoughts that arise as well. And um, in those moments throughout my, my history, um, <laughs> most of me wants to stop and run away <laughs> and just go back to comfort and familiarity. And, um, and I've caught myself many a time and, and right now the way I approach this is simply noticing, ah, I'm feeling discomfort. I'm feeling like I want to not do this. I'm feeling this is unfamiliar. And the way I approach it is, okay, so this is unfamiliar. This is potentially uncomfortable. That's because I haven't done it before and it's going to stretch me. And there's a lot of uncertain outcomes. And this is also an opportunity to grow, to be in the world. Um, I also have a, a particular viewpoint. Um, I try and look at the long-term impact of, of my behaviors. So one of them is, if I do this action in this circumstance, and then I was to repeat the same pattern, what impact would that have? Um, and for instance, is, is a good example, which is kind of different. If it's raining outside and I really want to get a taxi, I often think to myself, okay, so does that mean if I take a taxi that every time it rains, I have to get a taxi? What kind of pattern is that? And then I am able to see, oh, this isn't a really good behavioral setup to, to have because, um, it's going to rain a lot of times. And I don't want to set that up. And the way that I, I set this up or, or the, how this relates to, to my jumping into fear, I suppose, is if I don't do things because I'm afraid and I, I stay with the familiar, um, then the long-term impact of that is that I never grow and I never stretch myself. And I can't live with that. Um, so because of that, I... I see it as an opportunity to, to lean in um, and to be with all the discomfort, recognizing that's just part of the process. It sounds as if there is um, a care for future Georgie in there. Mm. Like this idea of, you know, future Georgie wants to be a person who perhaps has more experience, more knowledge, more wisdom than current Georgie. And in order to give her that in the future, you need to sit with the discomfort now. Mm. Would, would that be accurate? Yeah, I think that's a really nice way of putting it. 
um, recognizing that my current me and my actions will not serve future me. Mm. So there's a sense of responsibility and care for who I'm going to become, not just who I am right now. Oh, I love that. This idea of responsibility and care for who you're becoming. I think mm -hmm. that's beautiful. And maybe that resonates more with me even than what I said before, because the becoming is something that actually also happens now. Whereas for me, it's difficult to think about future Joachim, because that's a, it's an idea, it's a concept, something that doesn't really exist. It's a story. Whereas if I reframe that as what am I becoming right now by doing the things that I'm doing or not, mm -hmm. then that becomes more real and more practical and more in the now. So thank mm. you for that, Georgie. I, I would, I like that framing and I would add as well that I think the, the becoming element is recognize that we are a series of behavioral patterns, which are kind of instinctive. You know, you don't actually make as many choices as you think you do. It's about habits. So when I am making decisions, I'm, I'm aware that whatever happens, I'm, I'm going to end up falling back on my habits. So I don't want to go about creating habits that are really going to damage me in the long term. At which point I'll look back and think, oh God, my past Georgie was an idiot. <laughs> uh, so I try and make it hard for myself to do things that I know that are not good for me in the long term. Mm, that's really interesting. Well, several things come up. Like one of the things is like, yes, past Joachim was certainly an idiot. <laughs> But I'm also quite certain that in the future, I will think the same of current Joachim. Mm. So I'm kind of like accepting in general of this idea that I'm an idiot in, in the sense that I don't know anything. There are so many things that I don't know and probably will never know. And that's okay. I kind of can mm. surrender to that. But then this idea that we make less choices than we think. I think that's, that's really crucial to understand. Um, I think, you know, there would be an incredibly insane amount of choices to make if we were fully intentionally choosing everything we do. So it's quite obvious to me that indeed you're right. Like most of our behavior happens because of patterns and habits. And I'm curious how far you go in intentionally designing those patterns and habits or deconstructing previous patterns and habits? I feel very excited about answering this question. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel, I feel, uh, I feel like probably go to great effects actually to design the kind of lifestyle that I want to as much as possible. So I'll give you an example. When I moved into my flat, um, I think now a couple of years ago, I, I am aware that the first, the first actions, um, you do in anything new are so important. They set the tone and the frame, um, because when everything is fresh, you have the opportunity to redesign the entire experience. So I had a th thought about like, okay, what kind of lifestyle do I want to lead? Um, and one of the things that came up for me was, um, good eating habits both in terms of cooking for myself and, and batch cooking, but also not buying takeaway because it's easy and it's also very expensive. Things add up. I didn't mind it, obviously, as a, as a one-off. Um, so from my first week, I bought food and I found out 
pretty quickly um, how to get food delivered and which supermarkets, et cetera, were nearby. And I put time in my diary to batch cook and put bought freezer boxes immediately. Uh, Amazon did very well when I moved. <laughs> and, um, and I didn't create any accounts for uh, delivery. Uh, my flatmate did because for, for them, it was very easy. Um, it was like, you know, we've been moving. It's so busy. Uh, and to be fair, that's, that's so reasonable. But to this day, I still do not have an account with any delivery service coming to my flat. I have had delivery here maybe twice, but other people did it through their accounts. And um, it's funny, you know, the small thing of not having an account can be a great barrier because it forces you to really think through your decision. Do I want to spend the time and money doing this? Um, and it's small things like that, which I care about um, and, and try and, yeah, I guess just think long term about any behavior I do so that I start following routines and, and, and patterns that are going to help me. And of course, I'm, I'm not a superhuman. There are definitely <laughs> some I fall into it. And you mentioned deconstructive or, uh, habits. And I think that's one of the hardest things is when you create a pattern, any relationship with yourself or with somebody else is that you then, it's very hard to change it because you've set what's familiar. Um, and in those instances, it takes a lot more time for me to one, identify what the habit is and the impact it's having, and then find a way to wean myself on it, off it by giving myself something else. So for instance, um, I completely revamped my diet, uh, about two years ago, uh, for health reasons, I, I moved to a keto paleo diet, which is essentially, uh, no sugar, no carbs, no gluten, and, um, no dairy. <laughs> Uh, almost overnight or within a week. And yeah, it was pretty hard. Um, but um, I made it easier for myself by removing everything in my house that wasn't those things pretty much. So I couldn't crave it. I created space in my diary to research recipes and to change recipes I knew um, and to get the ingredients, the raw ingredients for things that are alternative. Uh, and I had to spend a lot of time up front doing that, but it was really worth it because in the, in the long, well, you know, you, you need those things in place. Um, and I had a plan, solid plan in, in place for the first week. And then once I knew I'd done the first week, I was like, oh, I can actually deal with this going forward. So recently I, I had, wasn't a break, um, over pandemic for a few months and had normal food. And then I came back to London and decided to go back to my keto diet and it actually was a lot smoother than I expected. And do you think that is because of the solid habit that you had created in that space? Or is it more because of just the unavailability of other foods because you made sure that the apartment didn't contain any? Yeah, it's a mix of everything. Mm. So part of it is I have all the ingredients that I need here to make the food, which is actually yummy as well. Um, I don't have any bad, in, bad food unless I go out and choose to do it. Um, I set myself the reminder of if I do this, then it will make me feel a lot better physically and, and my skin will clear up for instance, which it did. So there was an incentive there. Um, but also as you rightly point out, context plays a big role in everything. So, you know, you walk into a space and you'll be reminded of the kinds of behaviors and the kinds of feelings you've had in that and memories in that space before. 
So walking into my kitchen, um, I, it was very easy. I was almost just slotting into something. Whilst when I was living in my family home, I didn't have that routine in place or I didn't even have that, that um, memory, really. So much harder there to start something new. Yeah, that resonates a lot with what I experienced with my morning practice, my, my routine of meditation and journaling and then deep work. I notice it is very easy for me to keep that up in the apartment where I first designed that series of actions. But then whenever I move and I'm abroad or wherever I am, it becomes a lot harder to do the same things. And it's, it's a bit strange because to me, it feels a bit disempowering. This idea of like, wait, I'm not really in charge of so many <laughs> things that I do. You know, there's so much stuff on the outside that kind of defines my behavior. So I'm, I'm curious as to how accepting are you of the idea that there are many choices that are not made intentionally by you, but that just happen to be behaviors that you engage in? Like, how does that play into your sense of agency and sense of self and even your sense of power? There are a lot of, um, actually, more recently, I've, I've come to the acceptance that I generally always do the best I can. And um, even if future me thinks I made poor decisions in my past, I was still doing the best that I could with the resources that I had. And that those resources, uh, that is any given moment in time, there are so many things that you factors you don't have available to you. And so many different forces that are influencing your decision and your habits. Um, so there's a large part of me, which <laughs> recognizes that I'd like to think that I'm in full control, but I'm probably not. <laughs> and, um, and that's okay. I do have some, some ownership and I have good intentions, but I will also mess up. And that is just a part of the process. Yes. Sounds like compassion or something similar. Mm. I'm really curious, Georgie, because talking about all this with you, it sounds as if you have a pretty clear vision of what it is that you're trying to achieve with this relationship to yourself and how you're building it in terms of mm. not just your inner world, but also the world around you. So I would love if you could give us an overview of like the, the Georgie that you are becoming, like what is Georgie like in the future when everything goes according to your desire and your plan? You know, what, what is the, the desired state there? Well, I don't think that everything is going to go to my design, my plan. <laughs> Let's just suppose for a moment. That well, actually, could. no, I think that that is critical because mm. the future me, the ideal future me, understands that I'm doing my best and allows for all of the mistakes and still loves myself anyway. Mm -hmm. That is the, the best thing I could learn about myself and my relationship is my relationship to 
when things go wrong? Do I have compassion or do I have judgment? Myself is my best friend. And it really has to be. And as soon as I start dividing myself and fighting battles between parts of myself, um, I lose the wholeness. And, um, and I, I, I'm not, um, yeah, I'm not helping myself. I, and then they start, all my various parts start arguing. Um, and then I can't move forward in the way that I want to in the world. And I, I probably as well don't treat other people in, in the same way that I'd like to, or be as open because I'm so stuck on trying to resolve some sort of conflict whilst the thing which I think ourselves need the most is empathy to really be seen. And that's all parts of ourselves. And I say parts because I, I'm, I've, the belief in the philosophy that we have multiple parts and like a system, a family. And these parts um, are formed from our past and they come out in different contexts, um, generally to try and protect us and help. But um, they're not always helpful. So for instance, let's take the inner critic, which everyone really seems to have quite all know quite meaningfully at least all my coaching clients do <laughs> and they say oh yeah my, my inner critic says that I'm never going to get this done in the time that I said I would and it would never be good enough and and uh inner critics try to be realistic you know it's kind of say like you know manage expectations um don't want to hurt you or make you feel bad that you're going to do something that's not going to be that good so the inner critic has been quite kind except we have this tendency sometimes to be like, oh, damn it, that inner critic, go away, you're not wanted. When actually what the inner critic needs is, hey, inner critic, welcome. <laughs> it sounds like you're, you're a bit scared that I'm not going to meet my expectations here and, uh, and that I won't do a good job and that's going to hurt my overall identity and maybe prevent me from doing future things. Thank you for showing that level of care and respect and appreciation. And, um, I want you to let you know that I am listening. And, and in this moment though, I'm not going to let you make my decision because I also have this other part of me that really believes in me. And it sounds so crazy to have these conversations between all the parts, but it's the best way ever. Yeah. It doesn't sound crazy to me at all. I, I think it's beautiful to talk to yourself in that way. Have you identified more of these parts? Because the inner critic, like you say, you know, that's one that we all kind of are familiar with, I assume. Are there any other maybe less obvious parts of yourself that you have interesting conversations with? Mm. Yeah, I'm still getting to know them all. But um, there's definitely a part of me which is a warrior. And... Uh, it has the viewpoint of like, I will never give up. I will be tough. Whatever you do will not pull me down. <laughs> and, um, uh, and actually it, yeah, it's quite a cool person to hang out with sometimes because I never feel really afraid. I feel like someone's always got my back. Um, except for when it, the times where my warrior is actually not needed because we're not in a situation where anything has to be fighted or there's no real conflict. Um, 
So in fact, raising my or lowering my my barriers down is is more helpful. And and that's where a very compassionate, playful part of me comes out as well. Uh, that that part I, I got to know quite well a number of years ago when I was really craving time off and and just exploration and curiosity and that childlike let's do this and that and let's screw all the goal-related tasks <laughs> and my my warrior and my inner uh, let's get stuff done um just thought that that part was so childish um yeah so they, those parts often tend to tend to compete especially you know, as you already said I, I like to create things in the world I have a very excitable sense of oh let's get going and move stuff and momentum um but sometimes I'm quite tired <laughs> uh and I treat the world like there's infinite time and then my inner playful side is like I'm done no more I refuse <laughs> let's go and do something else yeah I, I wonder how you navigate that because personally I feel sometimes it's not as easy to understand which of these voices I should listen most to let's say mm -hmm. because you know you've highlighted in what you just said this idea that sometimes these these inner characters have different goals or, or different ways of seeing things mm -hmm. and then one wants something and then the other wants something else Yeah. And then sometimes I have trouble figuring out what is the, the best way to approach that. Because, you know, I, I tend to think like, okay, I'll just tune into my body. Like, you know, what do I feel right now? What does my body tell me? And sometimes that's very clear. But then sometimes that's also just vague. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And I wonder if, if you have like a, a method of, of navigating those moments. Mm. This is a really great question, by the way still something I think where many of us are navigating is once you've identified the voices, when do you listen to them or how do you listen to them? And, and often people resist the voices because they worry that if they listen to that playful voice and they won't do anything in the world. And certainly I've had that worry as well. Um, <laughs> I've been on retreats before where we're literally doing nothing. It's kind of meditation retreats and my, let's get stuff done voice says this is an absolute waste of time <laughs> <laughs> so the first part of this is just listening and and reflecting back so the voice feels truly heard and also more and more is uncovered about what that voice is saying and what that voice needs then i have a sense of okay who is in the room right is there anyone else in the room that's been missed because they never get listened to gotcha and and often you know what often happens is we, we tend to associate more with just one voice. Um, so inviting all of them to, to be seen is great. And then also saying like, okay, you all have a choice to speak. And then the next part of this is, is relaying what it is that you want that voice to do and why. So, hey, I, I acknowledge that you're really tired right now and all you want to do is play and have some time off. But if we don't finish this report tonight, then we can't get a full day's play tomorrow. And we'll rest. So I'm wondering if you'd be okay for us to do a little bit more work, but no more than 30 minutes. 
So the key part of this is being specific and having a boundary. Uh, these voices love boundaries, <laughs> I've discovered. Uh, I can get myself to do anything as long as I know when it's going to end. So um, giving myself like, okay, well, we are going to do this, but we're going to take a break first. Um, or once you've done this, you get to do something else, which is better. Um, and helping all the parts of me see why, what the greater picture is, is really helpful. And then the other side of this is the semantic response, which is what you were talking about. Um, how do I feel having just said that? Do I feel relief? Do I feel excitement? Um, that is a really good indicator for me to realize whether I've managed to reach a negotiation with my various parts. Um, and if I am still feeling anxiety, then it means I haven't finished whatever it is. So a good example actually of this recently is um, I needed to give someone feedback, someone I was um, in relationship with, a sort of collaborator. And I noticed so much anxiety and it was coming out really negatively all the time. So I was identified, okay, there's a part of me that's really insecure about this and it's, it's really affecting everything. Um, and I said to that part, okay, well, we'll have that conversation next week. I've got it scheduled, it'll be done. And then I noticed the anxiety didn't go away. <laughs> I was like, okay, so are you saying that it's important to have us sooner? And as soon as I said sooner, I, w I felt the relief. And I realized, yeah, I need to, I need to do this soon. And then as soon as I scheduled it for sooner, the relief started to go, uh, the relief came up and the anxiety started to go away. And that's me realizing, okay, that, you know, it was important for me to, to have that conversation. Beautiful. I love it. Thank you for that framework, Georgie. I think this is, this is really excellent stuff. And I'm so happy that you mentioned two things that I'm quite big on these days, and that's boundaries mm. and being specific. I think these two things make everything better, not just in relating to myself, but also in my relationship with other people. Right. And I've noticed more and more that in the recent past, this is what I've been asking for from people. Mm. This is what I feel I need, like have clear boundaries with me and also be specific. Because if I talk to myself in terms of like, yeah, I'll do that soon. Yeah. I know that that's a code phrase for, I will procrastinate. <laughs> there's, there's no way that, that I'm going to do something that I tell myself, I'm going to do that soon. That just mm -hmm. doesn't happen. And there is a certain relief in admitting that to myself, to like seeing the truth of that. Like, yes, if I use this vague language, it's usually just a sign that I don't want to do that. So being specific with myself and with others and asking others to also be specific with me has been an incredible shift. And it's hard because, mm -hmm. you know, most people are not used to being specific. But um, I read an article this week, actually, about how the specificity is a big part of the management strategy of Amazon. Like, apparently, uh, Chef Bezos is really big on, on that. And like any kind of memo or email or anything that gets written down needs to be completely specific. They try to avoid any kind of like vague language. And I think that's really interesting. So I'm, I'm definitely going to sit more with that. 
And so I'm curious if this for you, this being specific now, you talked about being specific with the voices in yourself and these different parts of yourself. But do you also use that specificity in how you navigate, say, work? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> that was a bad question, wasn't it? Like, no, never, I, never I, I, ask a question that can be answered with yes. Well, let me, let me, I'm just being playful. Um, yes, and um, <laughs> I love specificity when it comes to negotiating um, yes and no's. Like, blanket yes, blanket no doesn't really mean anything. Yes, yes now, yes later, for how much, up to what point, what's the boundary, what's the scope? Um, I used to be a project manager before I started up my, my own company. Mm. And um, getting specific was so important because, I mean, language itself is so uh, vague. We, we're continually trying to make sense of what the other person's saying and we say enough. I have some linguistics background as well, so I, we say enough just to um, create meaning. So what we say will depend on the person. Um, and so it's important to get clarity and say, when I say this, I mean this, but not this. Um, and for instance, take tasks when I'm working for myself or with somebody else. Um, I try and be really clear, which is checking in with what I understand the agreement to be and their instructions, and then saying, I can do this by this date. <laughs> I look through my calendar. I see I've got time or I don't have time. And, or I can do this, but I will need to move something else around and that may or may not be possible. How does that sound? And I do this for a number of reasons. One is that I hate owing people things that I don't know what I owe them <laughs> or, or being guilty because I haven't met their expectations. So getting really clear on expectations up front is massively important. Then I can go to sleep at night knowing that I don't owe anybody anything. I have told them when I'll be communicating with them or be doing work or whatever it is. Otherwise I feel terrible. Um, it also helps me realize that I do have a limited time. And so I, I, it helps me take on things that I can really take on. Of course, I'm not perfect. I definitely overschedule sometimes. Um, but it, 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 yeah, it makes me realize like everything is accounted for. And, um, and I take, I guess I think I take myself and people more seriously when they are specific because I know that they are aware of their boundaries and they're honoring them as well. And also that's permission for me then to honor my own. Like, you know, say uh, a friend said to me recently, oh, by the way, my bedtime, <laughs> I bought it really early these days, just moved it to like 9 PM or something or 10 PM and just coming over for dinner. Um, or at least I'm going to be seeing her in some food area and um i remember thinking i'm really glad i know this now <laughs> such that when you decide to leave that i'll be aware of it and i know as well that you're quite tired so you know bring bring that as well into mm. um the solution so these things are yeah are essential beautiful and i think this is also something that incredibly that helps us to incredibly build trust with ourselves. That's one of the things that I have found mm. to be the most valuable in relating to myself. This idea that if we are specific and then we keep our agreements, we build trust. 
every time I say to myself, I will do this for myself or for, some, for someone else, and then I do it, I create a system in which I get feedback from myself going like, hey, I promised this and I did it. I showed up. I can mm -hmm. trust myself. And that's such a good feeling to have. And the opposite, of course, is quite terrible. If you continuously promise things or make agreements with yourself, like, you know, this year I'm going to lose weight or whatever it is. <laughs> and then yep. you don't follow up on that. You just learn to distrust yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And I feel that in the past, my relationship with myself was mostly bad because of that. I just didn't trust myself to show up. And now I do. And that is such a pleasure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Integrity. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Integrity. Yeah, exactly. That's the word that's coming up for me. Absolutely. Yeah. I have this very beautiful definition that I read somewhere once of integrity, which is very simple, which is do as you say and say as you do. Mm -hmm. And I think that just, that just makes it very clear what it is. Mm. Mm, Georgie, I'm, I'm aware that time's flying and I just feel like we could keep <laughs> talking about this kind of stuff forever. Um, but I do want to honor also the time boundaries that we have set for this conversation. This builds trust exactly. with you and with me and so on. So that's a good practice of relating to ourselves. Um, before we part though, I would love to ask you, uh, well, one more question that is a traditional question by now. And that is, what is the one question that we would have loved to answer but that I didn't ask you in this conversation. Mm. Oh, that is a juicy question. Let me have a think. Actually, I'm really struggling. And that's okay. I mean, if you don't have one, that's fine too. Yeah, I feel like actually a lot of the things I wanted to say about relating to the self have come up already. Beautiful. I will take that as a sign that I have done a good job <laughs> asking <laughs> questions. You have done a great job. It's been a beautiful conversation. Thank you so much, Georgie. Um, yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed this. What would you like to share with people who are listening to this conversation? Is there anything that they can do to follow you? Um, do you write anywhere? Do you have anything mm. to offer that I could post in the description of this podcast? Mm. Yes, I have lots of things. Um, so I'm, I'm on a mission to make the world more human, to engineer mm. a more human world. 
And a large part of that is having more human conversations, which is why I started my company many years ago. So people can can follow my follow and join uh, triggerconversations.co.uk and I have a main list and of course we're on social media, various channels. Um, I will be reigniting it in some way later this year, um, starting with a program and then hopefully a community. Um, and then I also love writing, love exploring what it means to be human through just my own life stories. So I write uh, a letter on Substack called Conversations with Georgie, which you can also join. And I also like hearing from people. So do email me. <laughs> Wonderful. I will make sure that I post all the relevant links in the description so people can easily find you. Thank you. It was a pleasure to have you here, Georgie. Thank you so much for this conversation. It was a pleasure indeed. And unlike you, I feel like we could have more. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, I'm so intrigued to see what different pockets of well, the similarities and differences that other people have brought. Yes. Well, I have been thinking with several people on the podcast already that, you know, a part two of the conversation might be in order. And I think you're, you're on that list of people. Oh, honored. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Georgie, have a great day and I will see you soon. Thanks. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe to the podcast. You can also read more of my thoughts on Twitter. I will post a link in the description. And if you are interested in improving your relationship with yourself, please subscribe to my email list at relatingtoself.com. I will then send you meditations, rituals, practices, and more of these beautiful conversations. Thanks. Thanks.